there, Rider Flex Nation. Steve Urban here with more career advice and job interviewing tips for you. And as a quick reminder, if you enjoy our podcast, please remember to subscribe to our channel and like the episodes. And on today's podcast, we have Jake Prezak, the owner of NIP Fitness Centers in Iowa. Jake, thanks so much for calling in today, man. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me, Steve. I really appreciate your time. Well, tell us about uh, yourself. Yeah, go ahead and give uh, the listeners a background, you know, kind of the personal, family, hobbies. Just kind of give us an overview, if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, I was raised in North Iowa. I graduated uh, from a very small school. I think I had 40, 45 in my class that I graduated from. Wow. Uh, in, in <laughs> yeah, I know, pretty small. In uh, Manly, Iowa, you know, I uh, did a lot of sports. Wrestling was my sport. Um, did some football, okay. too. Um, yeah, I graduated from there. and really didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I just knew I needed to go to college. I attended some bricklayers when I got out of high school, and that really – was the turning point of saying that I really wanted to do something different. I needed to go to college. I needed to do something different. And so that's when I signed up at my local community college. And basically, I just started taking some electrical classes is what I was going to do. I was going to be an electrician. Okay. And, um, the, yeah, and so they, uh, the, the kids in the class, they decided, well, you might as well just join the electronics program. So that's what I did. Um, I graduated NIAC. I did my internship to them. And then I uh, graduated, and I uh, was a process engineer, and that's where I started out. And uh, then I went to um, – I did, after that, I went to uh, Winnebago Industries, and I was an electrical designer at Winnebago Industries for about – oh, I think I was at Winnebago for about 10 years. Is and that where so they're – uh, they, they, they're based in Iowa? I didn't know that. Yeah, they're based out of Fort City, Iowa. I see. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. All right. So – yeah, and so, yeah, so uh, did that for 10 years, and in the meantime, I uh, just knew I wanted to do something different. I was always into the always into the fitness uh, industry and was trying to break world records in the bench press, and that's what I always wanted to do. And the gyms around here just, they, they didn't fit what I needed. And so what, uh, what I did is I decided to, me and a buddy of mine, we decided to build our own deal. And so that's what we did. We got it built. And realized we built my baby that I could not not be there all time if I wanted this ah. thing to succeed. And, and so, yeah, I decided I I decided to um, uh, basically just quit my electrical engineering job and <laughs> uh, go that full time. So yeah, it was it was a uh, it was a big step. Um, and but I always figured I could go back to it. Let's and so I did. I did I... personal training and ran the gym. Can I ask you that? Let's let's uh, let me pause you right there. So, so you were always an athletic guy. You see, you mentioned wrestling, and my sons were wrestlers in high school, so I, I know what's involved there. And so, you were always in shape and, and an athletic guy. While while you were working at Winnebago, did you have an entrepreneurial spirit, or that really didn't hit you until you got frustrated at the gyms you were going to? I always did. I always. I always wanted to work for myself. I okay. always knew that I could do much more. I mean, I really liked what I did over there. Okay. Um, I liked the people I worked with. I liked to work, but I just always knew I was, I, I needed to do something more. Okay. And so, you know, I actually did, I actually had a little taxidermy business that I tried. Did, oh, really? And, really? You know, and, yeah. Yeah. 
And so uh, it just it just mm. never led me to where I want to do. And I always looked back at what I was really passionate about, and that was that was lifting and, and mm. fitness. And so uh-huh. I thought, you know what, I'm I'm gonna that's what we're gonna do. And so you know, we I uh, mean, my partner, we found a lot, and um, we basically built it by ourselves. I mean, we had a lot of help from a lot of friends, but we couldn't afford uh, we we couldn't afford to hire everyone to do everything. And so. We basically, wow. like the banker told us, we did the MT when we signed on the dotted line. And the MT, I was like, what, what, what the hell is the MT? And uh, <laughs> he, goes, uh, he goes, that's the marriage test there. Because basically, we signed everything we had away. Gotcha. Um, so gotcha. Fail, personal personal take guarantee. everything that we have. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So you put your – so a personal guarantee or a house, you know, house on the line, whatever it was, you, you signed it all. It was all up for collateral, I guess, at that point. It was all up. Me and, me and my partner. Yeah, gotcha. we both did the same thing. Now, how did yeah. that? Can I can and, I just ask you? So, so how that was this over several months or over a year, or did you just come home one day and say, "Sweetheart, listen, I'm going to quit my job. We're going to put everything on the line. We're going to put the house up for collateral, and I'm going to start a gym." Can you just walk? I think that's really an important, you know, yeah. top topic right there because a lot of our listeners. You know, they sure. they are entrepreneurs or they want to start their own business or they've thought about starting their own business. But but that right there, that, that moment where you're deciding to quit, right. to quit a full time job. I mean, that's a scary deal. Right. Can you just walk, walk us through a little more of that, if you don't mind uh, how that went with your wife and how do you, you know, all those, you know, a little yeah. bit more on that. Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a huge part, you know, and my wife is, she's wonderful. Um, and she's always believed in everything I've did. And to be honest with you, I always really wasn't completely transparent with all my ideas with her because she's more the type that worries a lot than I, I am. I'm more of go for it and do it. And so, and you know, this doesn't sound very good, but when <laughs> I already had it decided that me and my partner were going to build a gym, no matter what anybody said, in, in, including her. Um, and that's, that, yeah. And then, so when, when we did that and she's seen the gym was going okay. And then I talked to her, I go, well, I got to be there. And then I told her, um, you know, I'm, I'm quitting my engineering job. And, uh, and, then and now that, this, is this the job? Is this the <laughs> is this the breadwinning insurance uh, health insurance job? Or she had, you know, uh, a lot of well, stuff. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I made more money, but she actually had the insurance because she works for the city, so she had diapers and all that good stuff. So she had our health insurance for our family and our kids. Okay. So that made the decision a lot easier um, okay. on us, and so. But, yeah. So the, the decision was kind of you know I didn't. I didn't rely on anybody else. I tried to, um, I, I tried to rationalize it in my head and make sure that I thought this was the best decision and I couldn't let outside sources. And even honestly, my wife play a factor in that. I know that doesn't sound good, but, but you kind of, but you, but you knew based on your relationship, she was going to end up supporting you anyway. Right. I mean, you kind of knew I did, I did, I did, I did. Yes. And so that's why I just kind of, um, Mm-hmm. I mean, I told her what I was doing, but it was more of this is what I'm doing because I feel I really have to. Now, when you and did she that, was completely supportive of it, so it was you know it worked that's out. That's good. That's uh, that's awesome. Now, when you did that, well, there's there's no money coming in at first, right? You're you're, you're building this. You, you got this. You said you bought a plot of land and you're putting this building up. So there's what six months yeah. before before there's any revenue coming in. What go go ahead, walk us down that path. When 
How long? Yeah. Between, how long between you quitting your job until you were actually able to pay yourself from revenue from the business? What was that gap? Yeah. So I didn't really, honestly, you know, me and my partner, we both had other jobs. He had another job, and so we knew that we did not want to take any money. And this is what really kind of blows people's mind is we didn't take no money from the gym, neither one of us, for about actually four years and oh. because he had another income. And that's how we decided, that's how we ended up growing and growing. But how I did it was I just knew um, I'm a very people person and very knowledgeable with fitness. And so I just started personal training. Ah, and, and that's what I did. I see. Yeah, and I just built my clientele. I saved a lot of gas money. It was about a 45-minute drive to Winnebago. Um, and I knocked that down to about 10 minutes. So I was saving gas money. Uh, and there was just some little things I was saving on. And you can always look at the money you're spending and you can always find ways to save. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. And then, like I said, I built my personal training business and, I see. Um, I see. and that's, okay. that's how I survived and moved. But, um, yeah, we gotcha. didn't, we don't, we didn't take much at all. Uh, actually nothing, uh, just because we knew we wanted to grow, we wanted to expand. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of the business owners end up taking you know, as a new, new businesses, they end up trying to take too much. Um, and you know, and, and then they suffer. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. we just saved and saved and saved and saved. And, uh, yeah, good for you. Good for you. So how it worked. Totally bootstrapped yeah. between you, you two guys, you didn't take on any other cash, no outsider cash. No, no, no we one. didn't. It was just us two. Wow. Wow. That's great. Okay. Awesome. So, so you got the first building up. Yeah. Then you got the, go ahead. And so you got one building up You and kind of walk us through, uh, you know, the how phase. It went. Yeah. Yeah. How it went and how you started getting clients. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and I, I knew, so this area that I'm in, it makes the city is, you know, we're about 35,000 people. So, you know, my background was powerlifting, you know, and that's what we want to do. But I realized that, um, I couldn't market to powerlifters. That's a very small market. So I knew I had to market to every walk of life, you know, from your, from your senior citizens to your kids, to your, soccer moms to whoever it was that came to the door, I had to make them feel comfortable and, uh, and, and help them. And so, you know, we added a little dedicated women slash senior circuit, I call it up front that we used for marketing. Uh, and it just made it very inviting when they walked through the door. I also offered free half hour personal training to all new members, which kept me very busy, but it was so good. It, uh, it just mm -hmm. brought us a lot of people and, uh, mm -hmm. and that, and then, you know, we, we give back a lot to the community. Uh, we do a lot of different fundraisers for sick kids. So we, we give back a lot. And with this small community, I think they, you know, they see that we're, we're not money driven entrepreneurs that doesn't care about giving back. And, mm -hmm. you know, and that's one of our passions is giving back and, and helping people. And, you know, we just slowly grew from there and, um, and were, you making, kind were, you, of were you making more money, uh, more money from memberships or more money from personal training and, and other things? Uh, how, how, you know, what's the, what's the revenue split, I guess, on the business? I don't know for sure how you do that. But. Well, the, the, the memberships, you know, there's no, there's no goods exchange on a membership. So, okay. you know, that's, yeah. you know, if you buy a membership for $300, that's $300 that goes into our account besides mm -hmm. the tax purposes. Mm -hmm. uh, we did, you know, a uh, small supplement business that we, that we do in all of our facilities. It's just, you know, nutritional supplements I believe in. Um, mm -hmm. But that we don't make a lot of money on. It's just more because people need those. Um, okay. And then, uh, and then uh, you know, personal training. Mm -hmm. And so that helped a lot, but I'd have to say probably memberships is what carried us just, you know, just for the fact that, you know, there's, there's no goods exchange there. And, okay. you know, if you're paying $30 a month, that $30 a month is in our, you know, it goes into our account. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And so that, that's kind of how the first facility went. How, you know, when how, we expanded, we did other things as well. So we'll okay. get into that too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Tell us what, tell us, cause I saw on the website, there's some other stuff. Walk us through how you expanded yeah. into some other areas and when you opened up your second location. Yeah. So I got a, um, a, actually a cold call, phone call from um, a number in Florida and I just about didn't answer it. And, uh, and I decided to, and it was Ron Daniels. Um, he's the owner of Buyers Realty out of Des Moines. And he just owns a lot of commercial property. And he starts talking to me and says he got my name from a guy that he sent up to the area. Uh, he sent him to the gyms. And um, he wanted to make me a deal that I couldn't refuse. And I said, yeah, right, dude. I've heard this shit before. You know, and that's what I told him. And uh, he starts talking. I didn't really know who he was. And, uh, and we met. And uh, so Ron owned across town, um, it's a high V building. It's kind of like a strip mall area. And he had about 6,000 square foot that he needed to put something into. And he wanted to put a fitness center there. Okay. And so what he did is he sent a, uh, he sent a person out of Chicago up here to the area to see if a fitness center could go there. And then also who he thinks should go there. So he, he visited all the other local gyms around and, um, and then Mm. he reported back to Ron and, Mm. He must have liked me, must like what we were doing because he gave Ron my name. And then, so that's where Ron Cole called me. And wow. uh, he wanted me to expand right across town. You know, I got, and uh, we met and we hit it off. And I, you know, I still remember telling Ron, you know, we, I go, Ron, I go, if I decide to do a deal with you, I go, I don't fail. And uh, I, I just don't, I won't let it fail. And that made him feel extremely confident. And so he decided, uh, he did the complete build out for us. Uh, I mean, we bought all the equipment, we did all that, but he paid for everything um, as far as fixing it up, getting it ready to go, which was, you know, really nice of him. Great. Um, And then I just did the best job as I could for him. You know, I did all the, I I was the general contractor for him. I got everything done and he paid for it. And so moving across town like that, it was a little, little bit of a challenge, but I seen the vision. You know, a lot of people called me, you know, geez, you're building a gym right across town. That seems really dumb. You know, I, there, there was a lot of haters out there. You know, how can why did you build a gym so close to the other one? Well, the way I seen it was that you're going to get two gyms for the same price that are going to be completely different, but still functional to do any type of workout you want to do. And okay. no one was doing that. And so what I ended up doing is doing that exact thing. But I added a smoothie bar and I added a classroom and I added massage beds and full body cryotherapy along with the full gym over here. And mm. so... Uh, yeah, and it was just, a, it's a beautiful location. And then once we did that, then things really started to take off. People mm-hmm. started to realize, wow, I get two memberships for one price at nineteen ninety nine a month. And I can go to either one and they just loved it. Our smoothies, um, you know, took off. A good friend of mine uh, started uh, Nutra Smoothie and uh, he always told me to do smoothies and I just didn't have room to do them at the original facility. So I incorporated those. I got called crazy for doing that as well. Uh, really? Now you're going to put smoothies in there? And so they, just, they just never see the vision, you know? They just don't get it. And so, I, yeah, we go up to Smoothie Bar, and, uh, yeah, it just it, it took off. And and so that was the second location. And is that currently your what you would call your flagship location still out of the – I think you have four. Is that right? Three. There are we three. have three. Okay. okay. Yep. Is that, and is that your flagship? Uh, yeah, I would, I would say so. Yes, okay. I would say so. Um, the newest one is fairly new. Um, I think we're be, oh, it's about a year and a half on that one right now. Okay. But yeah, and so I got approached um, to build one in Clear Lake, which is only about 12 miles away from where our other two are at, the little town, uh, 
down the road and, you know, I'd got letters in the mail and there's people that wanted us to come over that way. And so actually my realtor guy, he actually got the meeting set up because he lived over there and uh, I just got done with this project and I was like, oh man, I can't handle another one. Cause these things, they, they really take it out of me, you know, getting startups going. Right. And so uh, he got the meeting going. I looked at it. I seen the vision. I seen what it could do over there. And so I just, uh, I dove in. We did it. And uh, we've been open two years and it's a beautiful place and it's going very, very well over there as well. And um, so now they get three locations for a, for, you know, small price that are all different. We didn't duplicate nothing, but you know, like I said, all functional, do whatever. We added food over there. We added smoothies. We got localized cryotherapy over there. So there's just a little bit different at all of them. I see. You know, so often you, you meet people that had one successful restaurant and maybe they opened up another one or two more and then all of a sudden they're out of business because they, they stretched themselves too thin or, you know, things like yeah. that. But in, but in your case, so far, are you happy you opened up additional locations? It's, it's working out for you? Oh, very happy. I'm okay. very happy I did it. Um, you know, I did have some, um, there was a lot of stressful nights wondering if I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, is my family going to suffer is, you know, with my time is all that. That's one thing that I never wanted to suffer was my kids growing up and missing sporting events and anything like that. And, um, and I don't, I, that's the number one priority. And, uh, you know, and that's one thing I didn't want to suffer. And it, and it hasn't, you know, it's, um, that's good. There's a lot of fake stuff going on in my head, you know, how it was going to affect it. But, you know, I, I got the right people to help me and, um, yeah, you just keep my priorities straight. What was so the biggest challenge early on? What was what was the hardest? Trying to was the hardest thing walking away from the guaranteed job and doing the personal training and having cash flow tied it tied at home the first couple of years. Was that the biggest hurdle, or what was the biggest hurdle early? Um, probably one of the biggest hurdles. Um the biggest role in the first gym was basically, you know, trying to work a full-time job. Okay. And then also us building that gym, you know, mm-hmm. us doing all the hands-on labor, the majority of it, you know, and, and doing that. So, I mean, going to work at three in the morning, getting off at one, working until 10 at night and, and, and getting that built and trying to stay somewhat, you know, balanced. Mm-hmm. And, uh, th- and then, and then there was a, the biggest hurdle with that was the mental part of it, not knowing if this was even going to succeed. You know, we're putting all this time and money, you know, and I signed everything away and it was very stressful. You know, I mean, and and construction is not easy. I did it, you know, a lot of it. And right. Yeah. It was just very, that, that was probably the the hardest thing to stay balanced, you know, through that process. I mean, you know, um, and just, uh, there were so many unknowns at that point, you know, when I expanded to the second facility, I knew, I knew, I knew in my heart at that time we were going to make it. I had no doubts. A lot of other people did, yeah. but I knew. So that made that easier. The well, first you've always, one, that one was different. You've always been a confident guy. For the listeners that don't know, um, you know, and a determined guy, right? I mean, you, you have – you used to or you still have some bench press records, I think. Uh, I don't know if they're U.S. records or worldwide records, but can you tell – I know you, you probably, you, you, you strike me as a pretty humble guy, so you probably don't like to talk about it. But if I, if, if you don't mind, can you just tell the listeners real quick some of the things you did there with uh, some of the bench press records? Because it's really fascinating. And I think it speaks to how determined you are and, and your work ethic. So if you don't mind, just share that, share a little bit of that. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, it, you know, bench pressing was a big part of my life. Uh, you know, I, I think I started bench pressing in the third grade and I bench pressed every day. You know, I really didn't have no guidance. Um, I just did it and I'd always loved it and I always loved lifting weights. And, you know, I started to get really good at bench pressing and um, started traveling different places, learning different techniques, different form, different things from a lot of different people. And um, started to really rise. I started to, to compete. And then, um, you know, I got into what we call equipped bench pressing, and that's where we use a bench shirt, which they were designed for people with bad shoulders to be able to bench press still. Well, equipped lifting kind of turned into its own sport, so it allowed you to hold heavier weight, but it also got very technical on how to use a bench shirt and how to get the most out of it. And so it became very intriguing to me. Um, I got a little bit bored with raw lifting, you know, because it's very hard to move up and down once you get to a certain level. But the equipped bench pressing gave me a whole different avenue. You know, I could hold extreme weight. I could do extreme things. And a matter of, you know, a quarter inch here and there, um, you know, basically can mean life or death um, mm-hmm. if you don't have the right people around. Mm-hmm. And so, it was, you know, it was very it was kind of like a turn on to me being holding extreme weight and being under that type of pressure, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I really started competing in it and I competed every 12, about every 12 to 16 weeks, we competed just a ton. I had a great group of people that we lifted out of my garage. And then I started to look at records and I started breaking records. I started breaking, you know, state records, um, national records. And then I started looking my eye on all time world records. I wanted to be the, at my weight class, I wanted to be the strongest guy ever to bench press at that weight. Mm. Um, in the equipped division. And what was and that? So, what was that? What was that weight? If you don't, I don't, I can't remember. Was that 140? Well, or where were the, you at? Well, the uh, my my weight was um, the first world record I broke. Finally, was I weighed in at uh, it was a 242 pound weight class, and I uh, I, I benched 920 pounds. <laughs> and um, yeah, that was in 2011. 920 yeah. pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah, people. Okay. It don't make sense to a lot of people, you know. Um, it sounds awful strange. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's what I did. And then wow. um, I wow. was a wrestler, so I was used to cutting weight. And I thought, you know what? I, I feel good. My body's healthy. I'm going to cut down to the 220 um, pound weight class, and I'm going to try to get that record. And mm. so I did. It was a brutal cut. It was very miserable and um <laughs> i rehydrated right did everything right and uh i ended up hitting that i did 909 at the 220 weight class and wow. that one actually still stands yeah That's my still, um the other okay. record got broke on the arnold at the arnold classic on the main stage um and so How that one got that? broke by a young man and uh, yeah happy for him you know records are made to be broke so it was it was good so you um, know there's yeah there's... so that's that's kind of where it went well, there's something to be said about, I, I think, that experience, right? It really speaks to who you are. Like you said earlier, you know, I don't, I don't fail. Uh, you're super determined. And once you set your sights on something and you say, hey, I'm going to accomplish this, you, you, you go for it, you know. And uh, I, think, yeah. I, think, I think it speaks, you know, heavily towards the business you've built. So congratulations on, on that. And, hey, you're, oh, you're, st- you. you're still walking around. How old are you now? I'm 42. So if you're 42 years old and you still walk around saying, hey, I, I still have a world record at, 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 you know, at the age of 42. I still, I still have a world record. Well, yeah. I love that. And I, I, and I still can do things. I, I still can throw balls to my kids. I still can swing a bat. You know, I didn't, um, <laughs> I didn't hurt myself. And I'm still you know, I'm pretty well pain-free. I give it up when I needed to. And that's why you know, I kind of distance myself from the sport. Uh, I have to get away. Um, just because I know I'll commit to doing another one. And I know I can't do what I used to do. 
And, you know, cause I do miss competing a lot. And, but I, the only way for me to do it, and I know myself is to distance myself from the sport. And that's what I did. I, you know, I miss a lot of my friends, but, um, you know, for me to stay healthy and where I need to be right now, like I said, I had to get away and, gotcha. uh, gotcha. and refocus. Can I ask you switching gears just a little bit, you know, uh, along yeah. with, along with being a first time entrepreneur, first time business owner, uh, you know, along the way here, now you're also experiencing, you know, how to be an executive, right? How to, how to be uh, a supervisor and a manager of, you know, lots of employees, yeah. several locations. So that was also, uh, you know, a transition for you. Can you, yep. can you walk through, you know, what are some early things you learned about being, cause I guess at this point you are, you know, you probably don't have a bunch of fancy titles, but you are the owner slash CEO, so to speak. What are some what are some lessons you've learned over the last few years being, uh, you know, over that many employees and, and experiencing that? Well, the, the biggest lesson I learned is employees are a very, very big challenge um, to find the right one. Um, I, you know, I've got some very great people that work for me now. And what I've really realized is that you know, the better you treat them, the more money you can give them, the more I get out of them and the more they'll do anything and everything for me. And I see that, I see that's a downfall in a lot of businesses and companies. They don't, um, they treat a lot of their employees as numbers. You know, I know they have a lot, but there's no, I don't know. I, I just treat them as humans. I want them, all my employees to be as successful as they possibly can. And I want them to make as much money as they possibly can. And I stress them at every one of our staff meetings that I'll help them do that any way I possibly can, but they have to show initiatives. If they want to get better, I help them get better. Mm -hmm. um, if they don't, I mean, they can stay and be an employee if they're good uh, or whatever they want to do. But yeah, the employee part is, is hard. You know, we do it a little bit different from a lot of people around here. You know, we create a schedule and then we let them kind of work together on filling in for each other and helping each other out. Oh, you know, okay. so we're, we're not, we're not in the middle of, I can't work today. Can you find somebody for me? Um, it's once they tell us their schedule for the month, we come up with the schedule after that, if they need time off, then it's their responsibility to find someone to cover for them. Mm -hmm. And I think they appreciate that. It gives them a little more free time. Um, a little more independence and, and it, it takes some stuff off of us as well. well yeah. I was going to say, it keeps you from having to mess with, uh, you know, Johnny calling up saying, Hey, can I switch my schedule? <laughs> right. Yeah, That's exactly. Yeah. 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 And we just got to WhatsApp and we really stress to them, you know, help everyone out that you can, if you're available work, help somebody out because sooner or later you're going to need someone to cover your shift mm. and you know, that how it, what comes around goes around. Yeah. So, when you're, and they're, they're really, really good with it. When you're interviewing people, what kind of, you know, personality or character traits are you looking for? How, how do you, besides experience, besides specific experience, yeah. what, are you, what are you looking for in their character when you're deciding whether or not to hire somebody? Um, I really, you know, what I stress to them is that no matter who walks through the door of our facility, you need to put yourself on their level. I don't, you know, we don't want a robot standing at a counter when someone walks in, you know, mm -hmm. I want to see emotion, you know, I want you to make them feel comfortable and see, you know, voice changes and excitement and different things like that. You know, we've interviewed some, we've had some employees where they're almost, you know, like there's no emotion there mm -hmm. and they're just kind of robotic. And so that's, that's my, my, 
mostly, I guess, what I look for is, is, is that type. And usually when they're that type, they're energetic. And I don't I have see. to wor- worry about work ethic at that point, you know. And so I try to read them that way. Um, gotcha. And then we just, we just make sure they're a good person. You know, I'm a pretty good people reader and, and can tell. And, you know, we're, we're very much about, you know, not treating people as numbers here like a lot of fitness centers do. You know, we want them for, we stress, we want them for a member for life. And, uh, and mm-hmm. so they have to make them feel important in, in, in that aspect of it. Is, um, there, is there a favorite so, interview question you like to ask or, or one or two that you always kind of ask during the interview or, or no? I, you know what, they, they, uh, <laughs> they give me crap all the time about it because I wing every single one of them. Honestly, I do. Um, When they sit down and we start talking, I don't talk about anything. I start talking about them. We start talking about their family or whatever or what they did for the day. And then we just go from there. Uh, I'm not uh, where you sit down and, hey, tell me about yourself. Tell me, you know, I I don't get into that. That doesn't mean a whole lot to me. That's all free. A free flowing, free free flow, natural conversation just to find out who they are. Sounds like. Exactly. That's all I do. And, And it works. It works. It sounds like it's working for you. That's for sure. So, yeah. you know, I mean, congratulations on, on, you know, everything that you've built so far. It sounds like, it, you know, it's going well. What's the plan now at this yeah. point? Uh, are you, are you going to franchise? Are you going to put, put facilities in other states? Or are you just going to stop right where you're at? What's, what's the plan from here? I know I've thought about it long and hard. You know, they, we get letters to, you know, go to different areas. I don't really want to, do that. Um, franchise is still an option. You know, I've read different people that are reaching out to do that. Um, so that, that's a possibility. Um, but you know, my other, I do have another company as well that I'm part owner of and I'm um, actually vice president of sports and nutrition with that. So okay. that okay. is starting to really take off. And um, that's a lot of my passion as well right now. And that's our, you know, it's Zaka life. It's our full spectrum hemp company. And that plays a big part into our gyms about how, overall health is and making people, you know, become pain-free mentally and physically and prescription-free. And, you know, that's our focus at the gyms right there. And uh, the other company plays a huge part of that. And so I have a lot of focus on that right now. Ah, okay. Zaka Life. And uh, Cole Stegman was also a guest on the Rider Flex podcast, the CEO uh, for that company. Um, Great guy, great product. You know, so it's... You weren't busy enough already with a family and three facilities and being CEO. <laughs> you, you, you're involved in another company too. How do you how do you balance you know how do you balance your life? I get that question a lot from people. It's like, gosh, I got I got two kids at home. I'm trying to go to sporting events. I'm trying to be a CEO, and and now here you are. You're involved yeah. in another company. What's what's the magic for you to balance everything? You know, it's, um, I, I just try to keep perspective, um, on a lot of different things. You know, I do put the family first and, um, once you do that, then everything else will find its way. You'll find time for everything. I do, you know, one thing when I was trying to break world records, you know, one of my things that I did was you know, really tried to eliminate as many distractions as possible. It's ones that are really dragging you down that you don't know it. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, you know, I didn't, you won't find very many training videos out there of me when I was, you know, going on world records and everyone was asking, where's the videos? How come I don't see no training videos or training logs? Well, I never tracked one workout of mine. I never, re- I, I didn't get into that because it took time. It was a distraction to me. I learned mm-hmm. how to read my body and, um, no social media, you know, very little social media, uh, because it's, it, it distracts you and people don't realize that it's, it's distracting you. And the majority of it is negative. 
Mm. It, it may not look negative, but a lot of it is negative. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just really try to eliminate the negatives. Uh, you know, when I got back from biohacking week, we talked about um, plucking your weeds and growing your garden. And that's a huge factor as well. Gotcha. You know, get rid of the people that are dragging you down that you don't really realize that they are. And then grow your garden, you know, surround yourself with people that are like-minded that can help you, you know. Us humans, we need other humans, but we need the right humans that are on the same page with us and the ones that can help us. Oh, I love that. And so that's good. Yeah. And so that's what I did. Um, and so that, that helps a lot. That's a tremendous amount of help to keep balanced in, in that, that aspect of it. You know, I, it's, it's interesting you bring up the social media. I, I don't think people understand how many minutes a week they're burning scrolling through Facebook with their thumb. You know what I mean? I just, I don't, I don't think people understand how unproductive that time is. You know, not, not that all social media is bad and I don't want, I don't want listeners right. on this podcast to start bashing, you know, hit me with all kinds of hate mail. Cause I said social media was bad because writer flex, we, we do a lot of social media, but I do know people right. just waste minutes on it. You know, with, like you said, negative stuff or whatever, it's not, they're not, using it wisely to learn about something or educate themselves or whatever. So you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I it's, think, uh, it's bad. And I don't think it's going to get any better either. That's the scary part, you know, <laughs> right. and this, this is what the really sad part to me is that there's so many people out there, you know, using, they're, they're just reaching for attention because they're suffering at home. They're suffering mentally, they're suffering physically. And so they use social media as a platform to get that attention that they mm-hmm. need. And they think mm-hmm. that that's helping them. And in reality, that's not really helping them. You know, it, it feeds them for a little bit, but then they go back down. And, you know, I, I use basically our social media for the majority part um, for, uh, for marketing. Yep. you know, for the business, and yeah. because it's free. Yeah. And then I also like to throw some of my kids stuff on there because you have relatives that don't get to see your kids and they can go right. through Facebook, some pictures of them competing. Yeah. And then I like looking at my memories, you know, Oh, now geez, there was them three years ago and it makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I did look at, oh. look up some of the YouTube videos of you uh, bench pressing that stuff. I mean, really incredible. Yeah. Uh, by, by the way, so, so your kids, are they competing? Do you have kids competing in uh, powerlifting or anything? Just curious. Yeah, no, no, they did compete. Um, I started my kids at a very young age, um, and we just perfected body weight movements. And then they competed at uh, our uh, our kids' events, uh, um, the charities that we did. So they deadlifted, both of them did at really young ages, and uh, and it just got them to you know, it taught them a lot about being in front of kids that you know are suffering life-threatening illnesses, and you get to lift for them, you know. And so it was very grounding for them. And so yeah, they've competed. Um, my boys, he's a, he's a freshman now and my daughter, she's a, um, she's seventh grader. And so they don't compete in powerlifting anymore, but they're competitive in all the other sports. And is so, your, is your yeah, freshman, we, they is still your lift, freshman, they still work out, but we just don't compete. What's that? Okay. Is your freshman son, is he wrestling like you did? I'm just curious. Um, yes, he wrestling is his sport. Uh, you know, I don't want to get into it, but he, we just had very bad news with him. He broke his hip last oh. Monday. Oh, and, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, in football. But it's okay. You know, like I told him, you know, we got to go up to – we didn't think we needed surgery, but now we got to go up to Mayo Clinic and we got to have surgery. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it, it's okay. And like I told him, you know, I go, you know, your, your, your very bottom is someone else's mountain top. Mm-hmm. I go, oh, so they got it way worse. A lot of people have it way worse than you. We'll take it. We'll recover it. We'll heal it. You'll grow from it, and we'll move on. 
you know, it, it's tough now because it's his freshman year, you know, he only got four years to compete, but, mm-hmm. but I told him it's okay. It, it's going to be fine. We'll, uh, we'll heal it. We'll do what we can and move on. You get that kind of injury. It's better to do that your freshman year, you know, versus your senior year or something. Right. I mean, so. Oh yeah. I feel so bad for seniors that get hurt. And I know. It's, uh, That's you a know, it's, yeah, it I is. Too. It's sad. It's, um, well, yeah. well, you know, I, I tell you, you, there's always something different about wrestlers, by the way. Now, I don't want to turn this into a wrestling podcast, but I know from experience that early wrestling and weightlifting stuff you did, I mean, it just it, – it, I'm sure it molded you in so many ways with um, your competitive spirit and facing adversity. Oh, yeah. You know, I've, I've always, you know, I've, I've watched these boys. You get, your, you get your face pounded in the mat enough times. You learn how to get through stuff. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you do. And I, and I, I stress that to, uh, you know, all, my, all athletes that I talk to, everything. Wrestling is a sport that taught me the most about life, mm-hmm. hands down, by yeah. far. Um, without wrestling, I wouldn't be where I am today. I yeah. guarantee it. Yeah, and yeah, I, uh, the the sport is a beautiful sport that just teaches you so much about life. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more, Jake. Um, yep. You're such a fascinating guy. I, I could have you on here for a lot longer. I really appreciate you calling in. Um, and congratulations yeah. on everything you've done. Uh, really, I mean, incredible. And the risks you took. You know, that's that's really. And I know I spent a lot of time on that at the beginning of the podcast. But so many people sure. I talk to. They're just afraid, you know, they're just afraid. They have an yeah. idea. They, they, they deep down, they want to own something. They want to start something, but they're just afraid. You know, they, I'll hear, I'll hear people, yeah. they'll, they'll tell me, well, I got this other job, you know, and it's, and it's a guaranteed pay and I, and I got to have so much money yeah. to, to make my mortgage. And so they just never take the risks. And so congratulations on, right. on rolling up your sleeves and just going for it. And just go on. Yeah, and and uh, you know, the people out there that are that are doing, you know, I, what I tell them, I just, just do it. You just can always it. go back and do something else, and then just try not to listen. You know, that's where I see a lot of people fail at with the decisions is they got too many people mm-hmm. talking negative to them on why they shouldn't do it. Because you know, I had a very smart man tell me one time that you know, ninety percent of the people out there want to see you fail, that's and right. a lot of them are your friends. Because they're jealous. They don't want to see their friend become successful of something they wish they would have did. Right. And so what they'll do is try to preconceive that into your head that, you know, if you fail, you're putting all this money and blah, blah, blah. And, and so that's what I couldn't listen to. And mm-hmm. and I'm so glad I didn't because if I did, I wouldn't have did anything. Mm-hmm. You're so right. You're so right. Really some inspirational stuff, Jake. Thank you very much, my friend. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, very, very glad to know you. And I hope uh, I hope we talk a lot more down the road. Congrats on everything you've done. We truly hope you find our material helpful and entertaining. And while our podcast can be heard across most platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and SoundCloud, you can become a supporter of this podcast by visiting our show on the platform Anchor FM. That's anchor.fm slash riderflex. You can also send us your questions or suggested topics for future episodes to the email address podcast at riderflex.com or drop us a voicemail at 888-964-5876 extension 710. Visit riderflex.com to learn more about us. Thanks so much for listening, folks, and have a great day. 